Welcome to another edition of the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. And I'm your host, Greg E. Hill, the Culture Change Agent. On this show, we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generational leaders. And man, do I got a show for y'all today. I mean... I can't, I, I, the words can't express how excited I am to have this young man on our show. And it's going to be a little different. This is a special edition of the Minority Trailblazer podcast because I know usually we focus on people that have a, a couple years of experience under their belt as far as um, after college and whatnot. But today, specifically, we want to hone in on a young guy that I met a couple years ago that has inspired and encouraged me, and he's still in school doing his thing. I mean, young, old alike, if you're, if you're a parent, Get to get this episode to your child. If you are a student, listen up. And if you're a young professional, be encouraged and inspired by this young guy. He's doing it. So um, I'm about to get into the bio a little bit. And if I mispronounce some of these words in this bio, please do not hold it against me. <laughs> All right. He's a senior at North Carolina A&T State University, Aggie Pride, hailing from Barnesville, Georgia. He's the current SGA president. This summer, he served as an emerging leader delegate for the U.S.-China Cultural Exchange as part of the White House Initiative on 100,000 Strong. I mean, this three-week program sponsored by the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation allowed him and 19 other established, well-off, undergraduate STEM scholars to travel to Beijing, Hangzhou, and Shanghai, China, represent the United States. I mean, he was most recently selected from a national applicant pool of over 450 people to serve as a 2015 HBCU All-Star as an ambassador for the White House. I mean, crazy, crazy. And as an HBCU All-Star, he's going to be able to promote studying abroad and international education. So, like, okay, how is he going to promote? Is he going to promote it on social media? No. Fall 2016, he will be studying engineering at Citeron International Institute of Technology. I know that's a long word, but <laughs> in the internationally acclaimed Thomas Salt University in Bangkok. I mean, it's crazy. And on top of that, and on top of that, this summer he'll be joining Walt Disney's company as a professional intern in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. I mean, crazy. Florida, check. White House, check. Anti-SGA president, check. I mean, this guy is on it, man. I, don't, I think he's probably only like 22 years old. This is crazy. So without further ado, I want to introduce my man, my brother, SGA president, Austin Ogletree, to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. Man, Greg, the introduction. Thanks so much for having me, man. I don't know how to follow it. <laughs> You good, man. You good, man. So if you're new to the show, I'm going to break it down to you real quick and then start it up. So in this show, we focus on stories, 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 because at the end of the day, we can go ahead and give you a lot of quotes, a lot of success tips and all this other stuff. But the stories and stuff you're going to remember. So we focus on stories and we have three phases. A, we talk about the past. So who is Austin Ogletree behind? Like what makes him? Who is he? Where did he come from? We talk about the present. Right now, as far as SGA president, some of the things he's going through and whatnot, and, and, and his internships in the summer and traveling abroad, all that good stuff. And then we talk about the future because I'm a big proponent of planning for the future. And I've seen so many times people in college specifically that take on these leadership positions and sometimes they don't leverage themselves where they need to be in the future. And I just want to kind of hear his take on it and what he thinks and what his future is going to be. So I'm excited. Of course, I forgot to mention we got a rapid-fire culture change round at the end where we answer five questions about books, about knowledge, or whatnot. So we can kind of just pick a brain of us. So without further ado, let's get into the show. And if you're familiar with the show, you know I always started off with a quote. 
So Austin, please give us a quote, give our audience a quote and give us a story about how you apply that to your everyday life. Yeah, for sure. One quote that I definitely try to assimilate into my daily practices, everything I do is to, to don't tell me that the sky is the limit when there are footprints on the moon. And and this is this is a very good quote to me, especially because, you know, all of my life, you know, people around you, especially coming from a small town, can sometimes try to put limitations on you and, and really try to, you know, you know, deter your success. And not even in the sense that they don't want you to succeed, but they just don't think that from where you come from or w- what you have can allow you to succeed. But this quote right here inspires me because it allows me to know that no one else can kind of di- dictate or determine your altitude, your future, where you can go. So I, I put this quote in the front of my mind every morning when I wake up and, and it's just allowed me to open doors and and close them right behind me so I really 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 um live this quote each and every day oh man that's powerful man that's powerful so if you could bring us to where you are share us a story about specifically when somebody uh, like pertaining to that quote when somebody might have said something that they kind of put a limit on your ceiling like tell us the time bring us there to that moment where you actually had to apply that quote in a situation in your life yeah for sure I can uh, remember uh, in high school, uh, I was actually doing a project on college research, and basically we had to choose two universities um, that we were interested in studying in, and this was my AP language course, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this course. I learned so much about it, about writing, about rhetoric, uh, just about reading and just being globally sound. Like This was one of my favorite classes, man, and I can remember that the teacher i chose howard and hampton ironically i didn't choose north carolina a&t as one of the schools, <laughs> but i chose howard and hampton as the schools that i kind of put up and it was really cool i did like the real hu i had the video going powerpoint pamphlets like i was really into this stuff i was you know i was really into finding a good school i presented the you know the, the 15 minute 10 minute presentation with the video pamphlet everything t-shirt you know i tore the t-shirt off i had the other one on i was really, really <laughs> I, I was really ready and i can actually Remember, as soon as I was done, I'm like, all right, guys, like, well, that's my presentation. The real issue, any questions? And um, my professor, she's like the first one. She raises her hand. You know, she's really engaged. She's funny. She's like, I got a question. She said, I noticed some videos that you showed. In, there were only black people at your school. Like, why do you want to, you know, why do you want to do this? So I'm one of the two black people in the AP class. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, well, you know, I just want this experience. Like, I feel like this is a unique experience you can't get anywhere else. She says, well, I'm going to let you know that my husband, he's an engineer. He, he, he does it on, on a daily basis. And he would not hire you if he, if you, if he knew that your school was all black. Ooh. Ooh. Right? I mean, like, if you've seen the memes, like, the whole class was like, whoa. <laughs> Like, I mean, it, it was really like that. And um, I, I even like chuckled a little bit because, you know, I'm so young. I'm so naive. I, I didn't really, you know, think deep into how that could have affected my trajectory or more just my mindset. But I went home and said, Ma, you know, the presentation was bomb. I got a 96. Like everyone loved it. They were laughing. They had cool questions. And I kind of, you know, when I started to talk about it, she was the one that kind of said, you know, Austin, that's not OK for a teacher to, to say that to you. I went to a black school. Like, look at me. Like, you know, and, and I thought. That spoke so much volume to me that she really, someone that I looked up to, someone that I really just learned so much from and valued so much, I had them on this pedestal, could say something like that to me, it put me in a new paradigm of what life was going to be like for me as a black male that had aspirations to attend a historically black college. So that moment right there, I can remember it vividly. Um, that when I went home and my mom had this large talk and my dad had this long talk and said, boy, like, you can't let that 
determine where you want to go. I mean, I was literally like, man, do I need to go to UGA? Like, go to <laughs> Tech? Like, is this what I'm going to run into down the road? Feel that and, and just ate it up. And I said, I'm going to make it. And I can't wait to come back and, and, and thank her for everything that she did to make me to make me who I am today. Encouraging story, man. So as we transition to our first round where we explain kind of your past and where you come from and who are you, please take a tell our audience who you are, where you're from and give us a little bit more information about you, man. Yeah, uh, for sure. So I, I think Greg said I'm 22 years old. I'm a senior here at A&T, and I'm actually from a small, small town in Barnesville, Georgia. Um, so when I say small, I really do mean there's one elementary, one middle, what? one high school, one primary. <laughs> I say that to say um, it, it goes back to my limitations, but my mom, she graduated from Alabama State University, and my father actually has a different route. He graduated from the SEC powerhouse Auburn University, mm-hmm. where he actually played football. Wow. And, uh, uh, not only was he a full recruit and All-American at the university, but he did went on to play in the NFL as well. So when I tell that part about me, people look at me and they say, hey, like, can he even like play football? Like, does he, does he can he throw it? Does he, you know, <laughs> you know, did he really does his dad really play in the NFL? And I say, yes, this is true. And uh, he's also a pastor. So I grew up in a very, very inspirational home. I had the family there. I'm the oldest of three. So I have a, a younger brother who's 16 and a younger sister who's 10. And I love them with all my all my heart. And I'm really just out here doing it for them. Um, when I was trying to actually pick, you know, what to study, I said, hey, I'm good at math. I'm, I'm good at science. Maybe I should study this engineering thing. But it was actually when I took a tour to North Carolina A&T, I couldn't pick, figure out what engineering I wanted to do. So I literally went to McNair Hall. Shout out to Ronald E. McNair. Rest in peace. And I went to every single floor, mechanical, engineering, uh, chemical, civil. And then I landed on this place called Industrial and Systems Engineering. And they told me that we're the people engineers. We use people to solve our problems and we improve systems so that they better benefit the world. And when I heard this quote, this 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 whatever they said, it, it immediately stuck with me because I really do have a true love for people. Um, and, and that's why I've chosen industrial engineering and um you know, now that I've been here, I've realized that there's so many opportunities and so many ways that I can leverage my degrees and my networks and this environment that North Carolina A&T has set up for us to thrive and, and learn in has just been uh, very conducive to my success and, of course, the success of my peers and those that have come before me. So I'm just blessed and grateful to be to, to, to be here and to have these opportunities that I've had. Got you, man. So to take a step back. I never knew your dad played the NFL. Tell us, tell us, tell the audience a little bit about growing up under uh, under the shadow of an all American legend. At uh, tell us about that kind of pressure and how you kind of um, got out of his shadow a little bit. Of course. Oh yeah, definitely. So I can remember growing up, um, and, and like I said, I am from a small town to where the day that he signed to go to the NFL was named Craig Ogletree Day. Wow. So that just puts volume into the the, <laughs> the small town that I'm from. Um, but I can just remember everywhere I went, school, church, grocery store, anywhere I went, it was always, oh, you Craig's son. Oh, you Craig's son. Oh, Craig's son. You know, and then, you know, that, that kind of becomes the norm. You know, you kind of just begin to recognize yourself as Austin, Craig's son. And um, that's kind of just how I, I can remember growing up. And I think 
you know, I say that not to say that a bad thing. It never was a bad thing. I was probably very proud, just as I am today, to to be Craig's son and to to have a dad as great as as great as my dad. But I can remember one thing about my dad is that he always had some type of lesson, some type of of, of, of takeaway from everything that we did, anything that we did. First and foremost, we went to church every Sunday, religiously, mm-hmm. faithfully. It did not stop. And he actually was did not become a pastor until I was in the fifth grade. And I think I can remember a day, and it's very vague because I was so young, but my father walked into the house, and at the time, I believe his sister was sick with breast cancer, and he walked into a house, and he just kind of stopped right when, as soon as he got in the door. He said he had, I know he just came from the hospital with my sister, with my aunt, and my mom kind of walked up to him and just kind of gave him a hug, and my dad just was like, he just broke down crying. I just couldn't understand, like why is my father crying? Like he's six, four two, you know, two fifty. Like, why is this guy, you know, breaking down and crying? And I remember my mom saying, you know, well, someone he loves is really sad and he wishes that he could do something to help, but there's nothing that he can do right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he can do is live his life so that everything that he does um, is in remembrance of her. Everything that he does is for the good and, and that you can't live life short because it's too short. And I remember that, Wow. So vividly, so vividly. We weren't even in the, the house that we were in. I had to be younger than 10 when this happened. I was, and, and I can remember that he said, you know, Austin, like whatever you do in life, you know, live it to the fullest. It's, you know, life is so short. And it, it, it was from there. But growing up in a, in a home where my dad was NFL football player, I used to love going to the Auburn games, mm-hmm. sitting on the sidelines. You know, I really felt like the big man on campus. But you, you said it yourself. Um, I played football for one year, I think, in fifth grade. <laughs> I, believe, uh, I believe in the second practice, maybe the third, I broke my tailbone, literally cracked my, like, tailbone. So, like, your lower back right there, like, it was like, okay, welcome to football practice. Uh, <laughs> let me mark it, said hike. Is that what you say? Then I literally broke my tailbone when I got knocked back on the line. So that was the end of football for me. But growing up, I always played basketball. So I was in basketball from the time I was little, um, even up until high school. And that was a sport that me and my dad were able to kind of bond through, practice through, talk through. And, you know, when he realized that, you know, athletics weren't my thing, that I was really academic sound, I was really musically inclined, he never – never, never steered me away. He supported that. When I was younger, he put me in dance lessons. He put me in music lessons. He put me in acting lessons because that's what he knew that I wanted to do. He took me to summer camp. So he never, ever forced anything on me that wasn't me. And he allowed me to grow into my own person. Man, that's that's powerful, man. That's powerful. And that kind of sets up my next question then. Because the, the post of this interview, I know that you've accomplished some great things and you had a great support system growing up with your father, with your, your parents and everything else. But I want to bring it to ground level so that the students that may be listening out there or the people that just they feel what you're saying and they're going to read. They're going to hear about all the success and how you got there. But they like, I just can't relate. I didn't grow up with a father that played the NFL. I didn't grow up or have these opportunities in college or right now I'm in college. I don't have the opportunities you have. I'm not SGA president or I don't know how to get there. So can you take us to a point? A time where I don't like to say failure, but however you like to, to, to say it, but a time where a lot like things were just going wrong. 
things were going wrong or, or, or a time you might say was a failure and, and, and bring us to that story and then tell us some tools that allowed you to get out of that despair because I just want to bring it home because a lot of times a lot of people hear interviews and they write stuff off because like I can't relate or he don't know my struggle or we don't have the same situation so I just want to bring it home because at the end of the day everybody that's went on to achieve great things they all had points where they just struggled. They just did not get through, and they just did. They, they needed something, and and I just want you to share your story, a testimony it may have you, um, of a time where that happened in your life. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I think Greg, one thing that you said is that we've all had those moments, and sometimes they're not just once in a lifetime, but sometimes you know the frequency <laughs> is a little bit more uh, more closer <laughs> yeah. together. Um, but I can most definitely attest to to a very recent one, one of many, and probably one of the greatest and one of the most pivotal for me in in in, in developing into a stronger person, a stronger man, uh, was really last semester. Uh, last semester, um, and and that might be a little contradicting to say when you just read that list of bio and you saw kind of what happened through the summer and throughout mm-hmm. the fall. But you know, I think this is when I had reached my truest capacity. And now I believe it has expanded. But at that time, it, I, I was really at a low last semester. I, I really think I was going through one of the, the lowest internal depressions of my life. <laughs> I honestly and truly felt that, you know, I was the SGA president. I was on you know, the White House, HBCU All-Star. You know, the accolades could go on. But inside, I felt like I was the only one, the only one around. I had all of these people you know, beside me in the pictures, everyone assigned me and CC'd on the same emails, but I literally could go through a full day in my suit, in my classes, in my meetings, in the cab, waving, speaking to people, doing everything I needed to do just to come back to my room and feel lonely, feel sad and not, and not really understand, you know, why I wanted to do this, why I set myself up for this. Like, Mm. you know, this is what you wanted, Austin. This is what you asked for. Like, you know, step up to the plate. And some days I can literally remember I'd have a paper due. I'd have homework due. I'd have a meet. You know, I just got out of a meeting, maybe an email I needed to send. And I just come to my bed and I'd sit there. I literally would just sit there. No phone, no computer, no music. I just sit there and think about all of the things that are going down in my head. And I said, I've got to give this up. I said, SGA is not going to get, you know, get me into grad school. They're not going to pay the bills. I need to find a job. I need to, you know, <laughs> all, of, all of these, all of these thoughts are running through my mind. And I really felt at my lowest in my depression, I didn't want to call my parents to complain. They're six hours away with two other kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to burden them. My friends, they have their own problems as well. We're all stressed out. So I really felt at a low. Um, but I can remember one particular time that, you know, I really had to go back to my roots and back to where my dad had taught me. And, you know, when you're, up, you're when you're, you know, when you're at school, when you're away at university, you go to church when you can, or, you know, if you didn't party too hard the night before, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I can, I, I can remember this particular, you know, Tuesday out of all days, I was so stressed. I was so overwhelmed. I was in the middle of finals that I had to get down on my knees and pray. I had to get down right here in this couch here in Barbie Hall, the six foot, you know, like the high, the, the, the high rises on mm-hmm. campus. Yeah. I got down on my knees and just prayed to God. And it's it's unfortunate that oftentimes more than many that we only can call on his name in that title, um, complete like submission when we're when we're still at our lowest, when we're at our darkest. But I think that's something that we all can relate to, like no matter my background, no matter this, you know, the way I grew up, no matter the, you know, what's going on in my life, uh, we all have struggles. And 
sometimes those struggles are not the same, but to someone else, that struggle may be the same, you know, and what we have to realize is that we, and if you are a man of faith, I am, but if you, if you are a man of faith, if you can, you know, find that common ground within that faith, and then you guys can find, uh, you know, hope together. You can find light together. So one thing that has been able to get me through my low times is my relationship with my God, with my God. And my father has been able to stress that on me. My mom, my family, they always are in my ear with, you know, keep God first. God has blessed you, boy. Like, you know, keep it up. Don't forget about him. And those, those thoughts in my, in my mind and, you know, in my phone have been able to keep me grounded. And, I think they should keep everyone grounded when, you know, when they're at their times of low and distress and sadness. Man, that's uh first of all, I, I, that's a testimony right there, man. I appreciate you having a vulnerability to share that, man. Like, I, I mean, I, I did see a couple of Facebook posts out there that was critical, but I didn't know it was that, that deep. And it's kind of, I'm glad you paint that picture because so many of us out there, we look at certain things and it's, it's easy to create personas on social media and do all this other stuff. But at the core, we're all humans and we all just need encouragement every time now and then. So definitely for all those out there, be just encourage others. Like, I mean, of course, it's, it's, it's easy to, if you see something funny online, share, share, share funny stuff or share gossip or share rumors. But let's let's focus on at least 80 percent. We got to live sometimes, but at least 80 percent of the time we share an encouragement. We give it a smile. We taking that extra second to say hello. Do those things because you never, 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 know. never know. So let's transition. Let's transition. I want to talk about your freshman year at A&T because I know everybody's typically used to the show we usually transition to present but I really want to paint these pictures because there might be some freshmen that's tuning into the podcast might be their first podcast of all time like or just in general old Aggies want to reminisce how was your freshman year at A&T and and, and share a couple moments and um, a couple good things couple bad and most importantly a thing that kind of lets you know that potentially I might be a SGA president one day oh yeah for sure Uh, my freshman year at A&T I just have to say wild with capital letters and all in red Um, (laughs) just because that's literally what it was. Yeah. So I can remember uh, when I came and I registered for my classes during orientation. Uh, That's the last thing they have you do. And so we got in the car and we're driving back to Georgia. I'm in the back seat. My parents like, you liked it? And I'm in the back like, yeah, I I loved it. Um, Not really when I didn't mean that at all. I told myself that when I actually came on campus as a freshman, that I was going to give it my all. Like I was going to try my hardest to like it. I was going to be out there. I was going to join this club and do this. And if I still didn't like it, then I would think about transferring. But I really, really had to give it a shot. That was just in my character. I couldn't give up so easily. I could just because I was scared. I hadn't given it a shot. Um, So I came and I said, okay, well, let's go all out. I ran for uh, class president, freshman class president, did the whole election, bought the candy, knocked on doors, the speeches, all of the whole nine. And uh, I, I was elected, but I, I don't, I was elected. They, uh, and I think that was the greatest process for me because I was able to meet so many people uh, while I was campaigning and just, uh, hi, I'm Austin. What's your name? Where are you from? What are you studying? What are you about to do? And I think through that process is when I was really able to understand what Aggie pride was. Um, it got to the point where while I'm campaigning, you know, I'm walking around, I'm starting to see people again. They're like, Oh, there's Austin vote for Austin. There goes Austin. And I'm like, wow, like these people are, you know, they're supporting me. They believe in me. And I, I, and I can't let them down if I'm elected. So that freshman year was crazy. Just jumping right in. And when you get into the student government and you're just a freshman, you're the new guy, you know, they've been together since the spring. So you're just kind of like filling everything out. And it was a struggle. You know, you have the 
entire constituency that I just kind of, you know, campaigned to. But there's so many red tapes when it comes to the administration and trying to implement an idea and really understand what SGA is about. So the first semester, we, we, we it was a learning process. We didn't have much besides our class meetings. But that second semester, I was able to kind of take in all of the rules, take in all of what I had learned and networks and everything and leverage it for the benefit of the freshman class that next semester, which definitely fueled me to run again um, for sophomore class president. And luckily, I was I was elected again to to be the sophomore class president, which really set the platform for my, I guess, campus political stage here on here on campus. Um, sophomore year was just what an excellent time for me to flourish and show my leadership capabilities. But that freshman year set the tone and I had so much fun, so okay. much fun. So what would you say to all the freshmen out there? Like what is one tip you would give to all the freshmen out there? I think the most, the number one thing that you have to do as a freshman when you come to college is be open-minded. And it sounds so cliche and so simple, but open-mindedness will carry you further than you ever thought, not just in college, but in any type of position, experience, opportunity that you're ever faced with, um, particularly for freshmen, because they're in a new environment, they're in a new stage of life, a stage of life that is only four to, quote unquote, six years. <laughs> uh, quote, yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, four to six years, um, you know, of their of their life, and they'll never get it back. So when you think about that, you think about how you want to invest these four to six years wisely. You want to optimize the benefits, the experiences, the fun, all of that. So when you come in, if, if you said, you you know, you never you didn't like sushi when you came to college, try eating sushi a little bit. Try, <laughs> try going to that sushi restaurant. Try some new new restaurants. Try some new places, things that you've never done before. Um, people are coming from all over the world, all over the globe, all over the nation. And you really, really don't want to miss out on anything. So if you can come to college with an open mind, trying new foods, going to places, meeting new people, um, joining organizations that you thought you'd never be a part of, except in leadership roles, um, that is all a part of stepping outside of your comfort zone and keeping an open mind. I think that's really what allowed me to keep going. If I had came after that orientation and said I hated it and came back to school and acted like I hated it and just look for somewhere else to transfer without giving it a shot, I would have missed out on all of this good stuff over here on Greens in Greensboro. So I'm just glad that I was able to keep an open mind and I would just implore each and every listener today to, to do the same. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. So before we transition to um, the present day, kind of your presidency, some takeaways from that, I have two more questions. And the first question being, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but every summer you – always had internships and I want you to speak about kind of how you how you found out about internships and that whole process not like the granular level of, I mean of course you look online but how you're able to to get internships and just continue continue that growth yeah that, that's a good question and a good place for where we were talking because it it all started with, with my freshman year again and keeping that open mind um, I can remember as an engineering student you'll know that we take up a large percentage of the population here at AMT and the career fair is a huge thing that happens within the first 30 days of, of returning in the fall. So uh, the career, you, you know, you think about this massive career fair with over 150 employers that are literally coming to give you a job. Um, if, of course, if you can interview well, <laughs> uh, but they, the, the myth on campus, well, when I was here, I've done my best to like dismantle this mantra by all means since I've been here. But 
I can vividly remember every upperclassman I talked to was like, oh, you're a freshman. You don't need to go to the career fair. They're not coming to hire you. You know, just stay in room, stay in your room. Like, don't come. And I'm like, wait, wait, what do you mean? They're like, you don't have any experience. You don't have a GPA. Like, that's my job. Like, no, you stay where you are. That's not for you. <laughs> you know, and, I, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, why are, why are they literally telling me not to go? And me being the natural, you know, rebel that I am. I went to the career fair with a nice suit on. And it probably fit a little too big at the time. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, you guys had them box suits. Exactly. It was probably one of the worst suits that I've ever owned. But I put it on um, and went to that career fair with a resume. And I had a 4.0 GPA that day. I promise you I did. I love that. I promise you I did. And I had... You know, McDonald's sounded like the best job in the world. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I went in there with my my 25 resumes and I walked around, you know, and everyone's like, oh, you know, I get the whole, oh, you don't have any experience. Oh, OK. Oh, thanks. But there were a couple companies that actually bought it. They were like, hey, like, we want to give you an interview. Like, you seem cool. And I'm like, really, really? So when I left, you know, I walked out with an interview, one with John Deere and one with the pharmaceutical company Abbott Laboratories. And I was just blown away. I'm like, Mama, I got a, I got a job. Like, I got an interview tomorrow, two of them, like, for real. And she's so like, oh, that's so exciting. That's so great. Um, And I, I, that's really where it began. The interviews went the next day. And that was like my first kind of like interview behavioral star method entering mm-hmm. this corporate professional environment that was like my first you know time and i knew nothing about the star method but when they you know when they when you do the interview they kind of explain it to you so like do you know anything about the star method i'm like uh, oh yeah because you're a freshman so they kind of knew that you were uh there that's that's dope mm-hmm. yeah and they knew i'm like uh not really they're like okay well situation task action result i'm like okay kept it in my mind did the interview Got the call the next day that it, that I got the internship and that I would be going to California, um, the San Francisco Bay Area. To and be that specific. was your freshman year. That was my freshman year. Wow! Like, I hadn't even turned nineteen yet. My birthday's in January. Got the offer in September, uh, and I had only been at A and T for thirty days. Wow! So, <laughs> I mean, I just think that's crazy because. You know, even when I got out there to the internship, I'm this 19-year-old kid pulling out of the San Francisco airport in a rental car headed to my condo that's paid for by a company. And I don't have any type of intern experience, only one year of bachelor coursework under my under my belt. And someone still took a chance on me because I took a chance on the career fair or kept that open mind. So um, after that, I was invited back for a second summer with the company in a different division in a different location um, and in a global role, which was which is even better. So um, I came back and I was with their larger than nutrition or the consumer products. And that was with Abbott Nutrition. So the first summer I was in San Francisco with the Abbott Vascular and the medical device manufacturing division. And then uh, this following summer. I was in the Abbott Nutrition Division, so they make Similac, Pediasure, Pedialyte, um, so they were manufacturing that. In between those two summers, I was actually hired year-round through Abbott as a campus ambassador. So after that first internship, I was able to promote for working on Abbott at North Carolina a and mm. So I was at the career fair, I was hosting informational sessions, um, and, and it was a great opportunity because that kind of set a stage uh, for me to get to know students as well, which is something that I always knew that I wanted to do um, because I always knew that I also wanted to be SGA president. So any t- any type of um, you know opportunity I could engage with students is is what I was looking for. Man, yes. um, 
That's fantastic, yeah. man. That's, 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 that's crazy. That's crazy. And it sets the tone because I want to bring it, extract some points from that to maybe our older audience. They're like, oh, man, cool story, bro. Um, but a younger audience is like, wow, that's that's crazy. 30 days, didn't even have a resume. And then now you're you're renting, you, you're you in San Fran. You got an own rental car, got a condo. But for my older people, they're like, okay, cool. But this is how, this is how the point, this is what I got from it. Because I'm looking like a lot of people don't like the career they're in right now. They don't. They have they don't have the career and sometimes they look at their skill set or resume and they're like, man, honestly, I wanna be here, but my resume probably won't get me there. But I heard you said you you you, you worked at McDonald's and you used those experiences and you sold yourself. You believed to have enough confidence in yourself that somebody was gonna buy into it. So for all those people that are on the fence about changing careers or have goals and some ideas about a business, you have to have a little bit more confidence and urgency and just leap out there. Like it like yeah. do some cold emails, go on LinkedIn, um, really pitch it pitch it out to your your already your network on social media about what yeah. your plans are doing and stuff like that. Cause that that is key. I got that. I was like, yo, that's freaking dope. You didn't even have a GPA. You walked in there, yo, okay, here's my resume. And you just said, okay, what experiences do I have right now? And what can I do to make it sellable? What can I do so somebody be like, wow, that's interesting. So I challenge all you out there, people that are looking to transition into something else to really look at your skill set, the the people, the things you volunteer with, the people you network with, the jobs you already had, and really get crystal clear on the value you added and how it can be correlated to the job that you want in your future exactly exactly and then the last question i have in this round which has been a fantastic round you dropping bomb at the bomb at the bomb is if you had to tell yourself something um five years ago knowing what you know today what would you tell yourself if i had to tell myself something five years ago oh man if i could go back you know what i'd say <laughs> oh my god if 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 I could go back in time I know that I would I'd tell myself a lot of things but the number one thing that I tell myself is to keep freaking driving and I say that because I second guess my decision to attend A&T to to choose my major so many times too it was a huge decision for me because i was the first one of my my parents children to attend college so it was an entire new process for the family i mean yeah my parents did it but that was 20 something years ago so this was the first time and i was just really really nervous and there were times where you know i really felt like i was just gonna you know i was just gonna go the easy route stay in state do it on you know just really kind of go with what seemed easiest i mean that's that's the, the only way i could put it but i really wish i could go back and tell myself to keep driving earlier so that i could have even made a bigger impact when i when i came to campus but i think more than anything i'm proud and, and i know that i am where i am today because of everything that i've done so you know i i, I it's like i say keep driving and, and it'll pay off because you know five years I, I like where i am right now i would love to be you know be higher but i'm gonna keep driving so that i can Man, that's powerful, man. This is one of the most powerful first first personal uh um rounds I've had um in all season. So let's let's transition to present day. And so real quick, what is a typical day like for you? Um because I know I, I I'm great friends with a lot of past presidents like like uh Marcus Bass, Christian Robinson, and shout out to all of them, the SGA past, SGA president, Dorian, I, I, I all those people that really paved the way. Oh my gosh, Kanisha Turner, like I mean oh, yeah. this Mama some, Turner. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to all the past SGA presidents because a lot of students 
anybody, even myself, because I was like the, um, uh, like back in the day, Chris Rob was like the, I guess he would be the, the MLK. And I was like the Malcolm X. I didn't do any student involvement. I was just a man of the people. So <laughs> I didn't get what they really did or why they were so busy or draining because I was like, but what y'all really do? Y'all sit in meetings all day on phone calls. So please give us, <laughs> please walk us down. What is a typical day like for you, man? And I know typical is like really, there's no typical day, but if you could just share our audience, our student yeah. listeners out there, people that never want to get inside your mind, what's a typical day like? Right, yeah, you said it your first. I was going to start off by saying that my typical day is an untypical day. It's a typical day, <laughs> excuse me. But uh, no, seriously, outside, I think one thing that I try to get students to remember and myself and people, anyone that comes in contact with me, is that I am a student government association president. So student being the very first word that sits in front of any of those letters and words. Um, so first thing I'm doing before I wake up is going to class. More than likely, I'm not waking up before I have to go to class, which is something that I want to do better in the future. It's on my list is to get up and go run in and eat breakfast. But right now, I'm just hitting the alarm club, getting dressed, and headed to my 9 o'clock class. Um, on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, I am have a really scheduled day, so I'm going back-to-back to class with a lunch break. Um, typically, those lunch breaks become filled with either a homecoming meeting or an Aggie Fest meeting or a February 1 planning committee. Um, as the SCA president, I sit on 13 university committees. Where- <laughs> 13 <laughs> committees? 13 universities. You don't got that many butts. <laughs> I'm sitting on 13 university committees, finance, budget, um, university advancement, academic reconstruction, most of which I am the only student on the committee. So um, those meetings can happen typically throughout my day. I try to make sure that they're during 12, but um, some of them I can't make because I just, I mean, I have class. But um, once we get to around 3 uh, p.m. on a, on a given day, I'll head to my office hours. Uh, as SGA, we're required to host 10 in one week. Um, so I host two every day of the week. So three to five on Monday and Wednesdays and two to four on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So after 5 p.m., I've started this new thing this semester where I've tried to get at least 45 minutes in at the gym. Uh, so I'll probably go to the gym and do a nice little run, push up, uh, pull up type deal for about 45 minutes just because spring break 2K16 is, is coming up. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, but then after that, you can catch me in my room. Last semester, you catch me in my room right now thinking about how busy my day was and you know like oh my gosh how am I going to finish all this work um, and then around six or seven you can catch me headed to some type of university event a program uh, sitting on a panel bringing greetings at an alumni retiree banquet um, uh, the career fair service banquet um, so that now we're into about the six seven o'clock let that be over eight nine o'clock my friends are texting me where are you at where you're at we're watching scandal we're cooking dinner uh, we have this conference call. We're working on this group project in the library or McNair. And the next thing you know, it's one or two o'clock in the morning and I have to wake up and do it all over again. So that's a typical day in the life <laughs> of Austin Ogletree. Man, that's freaking <laughs> exciting though, man. I mean, at the end of the day, it's college. Like you said, like you said earlier in the podcast, you got four to six years to maximize and get every single drop out of your experience. So I'm glad you utilizing that to, to its fullest ability, man. So let's, let's bring it here. If you have to say your top two to three highlights so far for your SGA presidency, what would it be? Oh yeah. Okay. I'd say the number one highlight that I've had, um, First one being in the fall commencement, uh, I participate as a board of, as a member of the board of trustees. So I am the student on that sits on the board of trustees. So the board of trustees are the people that you never really see, but you hear about them. 
um, and they stand on the stage and shake your hand at graduation. So because I am on the board of trustees, at the last fall commencement, I was able to literally stand on the stage at commencement and shake every single person's hand that walked across the stage with a diploma. Mm. Um, that set the tone for me because it was some fall graduates, but I knew like 80% of them. Like mm. I had been to a party with them. I had had a class with them. I had walked and ate in the calf with them. So to see them kind of walk across that stage and shake their hand was like a really big foreshadowing moment for me uh, to say like, oh my God, Austin, like you're getting closer and closer each day. Can't wait till the spring to, to shake all my other friends' hands as well. So that was number one. Number two would have to be uh, this last homecoming experience. Um, I was actually able to with a with a with a great team that really worked well together and my friends at at, at Warner Music Group, but we were able to bring Waka Flocka to campus. Oh. Um, and when we were able to do this, when I say that we were able to bring him, I really mean like we were on the phone like with his manager saying, "Can you please bring him to campus? Can you please bring him to this event, to this SDA event?" And he came. And when he got there, we said, "Can you come back at six and perform for the pep rally?" And he did. So wow. he came Waka. and he did that at no cost, at no cost, at free. No cost for free because shout out to Waka Flocka man shout out to Waka Flocka for sure so I, I, not, I, side note I thought I would never ever say that on a Minority Trailblazer podcast but if they do anything I support any black entrepreneur celebrity doing this thing whatever that, that's in their lane in their niche so shout out to Waka Flocka <laughs> Continue, yeah man. definitely definitely yeah there, he, he set it down and I had so much fun and I got the videos to prove it um, and then the third thing that I have to say was just like oh my god like this this deal as SGA president is huge was actually speaking at the career fair bank with and, and bringing, you know, or any time that I'm able to bring greetings on behalf of the student body, because um, I think at the Career Fair Banquet most recently, because this year, you know, I was able to, you know, get up and kind of really thank the employers and the companies and the sponsors for investing in the students. But it was special to me because this time the recruiters from Abbott or the company that gave me my first shot were in the building. My recruiters from when I was doing my co-op with Johnson & Johnson, they were in the building as well. And recruiters that I had interviewed with and met before were all in the building and they were able to come up to me afterwards and the recruiters from Abbott my freshman year literally were crying after the thing like oh my god like I remember you like don't forget about us like please come <laughs> back like so like, it was really cool to, exactly it was just cool to allow them to see mm -hmm. uh how they're you know them believing in me yeah their investment yeah, their, their investment in me really, really, really attributed to me standing on that stage and delivering a powerful message that day. So uh, th th those are those are three moments that I just and there's so many, but those are just three. Yeah, man. And now let's go. You already know the good with the bad, man. What, was your, what has been your toughest transition thus far as outside of what you talked about earlier as an SGA president? Because I know you jump into it. You really don't know what it's like. And then you get there. You're like, whoa. I did yeah. not know it was going to be like this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I think every single day, but it's becoming more numb to me now. But I think the number one thing that I've had is just the unique disposition of being between administration and students. Being that liaison comes with a lot of responsibility, um, a lot of character, a lot of discernment. And, 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 and you really have to be sound in who you are so that it does not take over you. Um, and I say that is, and it's a big, it's a big thing. And I don't want you to miss it just because there are constant arguments or constant, um, you know, disagreements and or differences in opinions between that of the majority student population and that of, you know, our higher administration that kind of runs the school that keeps it going. And for me to uniquely sit on 13 
committees where I am the only student and to also sit on monthly forums and monthly meetings that we're hosting in student government to hear student concerns. And in, in many cases, I'm hearing the, the worst on both spectrums, you know, the complete opposite ideals and expressions from the students who want housing fixed, who want um, to learn how to vote in their classes and not to swim. That was a new one that I heard last semester. And then you have administration who wants to diversify the applicant pool and to raise our, um, you know, our, our, uh, our, our per capita and things like that. So you, you're in a unique position because I'm sitting in boardrooms where numbers are lying. A&T is doing the best that it's ever done before. And on top of that, we're the model institution for HBCUs. And this preeminence 2020 plan that everyone is against so much has really, really allowed our university to be globally recognized more than it ever has. And it's on the rise. Mm -hmm. And then you have students who just hate it. They're taking away our blackness. <laughs> we're not an HBCU anymore. I'm about to burn the building down. So mm -hmm. being in, in, in the a you know, yeah, being in this cool spot, it's like, oh, my God. So people that are literally like my closest friends are yelling at me when I'm in a different setting. So <laughs> that's been the toughest thing. Just trying to get people to, I guess, not take it personal um, and being able to relay that message to both sides. So not only just trying to convey to students that, you know, preeminence 20 is a good thing, but trying to convey to administration that, hey, preeminence 20 is a good document. But let's please play respect to our to our history. Let's you know, let's please, you know, kind of make sure. So that's why we've been working on some some real legislation, some real bills that we can leave behind so that we have like a legacy to actually leave. So just being able to communicate and differentiate and kind of stay neutral mm -hmm. has been a challenge for me. Man, that you are perfect because that leads us to our transition. The legacy, what do you want to leave? Like the third round, and this is you our quickest round, but I really it's really important is the where are you going, like the future round. And I, I ask that because I see so many times, I have saw so many times people that had amazing leadership things on campus and the transition to the real world was really tough. Because, I mean, you come, you're president, everybody, you're speaking to all these engagements, you're, you're the figurehead of one of, especially at A&T, at one of the most notably known, if not the most well-known HBCU in the, on the planet. So how do you, like, what, what's your plan for your future? Like, what do you think, what's next for you? And I, and I read your bio, but I just want yeah. to, I want to let the, I yeah. want to let the audience know that you're planning for the future and you're working towards it right now, because that's a great, I mean, I'm telling people, I tell people all the time, it's such a great opportunity to really brand yourself and then utilize the, the things that you're working on now to, to further your career. Oh, and, yeah. I, and I think some just really don't capture that moment, but right. luckily you have those like the, the track, like even those that worked in the VBEA, like the Travis Jackson's, the Darren Brands, mm -hmm. the Wayne Campbell's, the Marcus Bass's, they have gone on Christian Robinson working for the, the, the Arnie, Archie Duncan, like. I mean, there's some people that really leveraged kind of their experience, Auntie. So let the audience know how you plan to leverage your experience right now for your future. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think you, you even spoke on this earlier about kind of just having faith in yourself and, and just going out on a limb whenever you have something. And you know, like one, my particular incident when I worked at McDonald's and I didn't have any experience, but I was really able to kind of turn that in a way that might be marketable to the industry, to the employer, to the career that I was you know, seeking. Um, this role in Student Government Association has really, really given me a keen interest and attraction to, to the industry or to the field of law. 
Um, um, not particularly that I want to sit in a courtroom every day and, and try high profile cases of drug dealers and rapists and murderers. No, that's not necessarily my dream, my job. But what I do want to be able to do is use my business skills, my analytical skills, and all of the networks and experiences from those from, from, from my corporate experience, from this experience as SGA, to really benefit a greater cause. And a cause that I think is key is, is quality public education. Um, and this sounds so off the wall because all of my experiences in manufacturing and operations and project management, but because I have experience in those fields, I recognize the the skill set of, of, of time management, of organization, of relationship management, of all of those things that will be applicable to a public sector such as education, and particularly with the public education and the higher education crisis that we're facing in the states right now. I've picked up interest in law and <laughs> say all that. To say, so <laughs> I, I've also just love business and I've just really loved um, uh, uh, just being able to use math and science and people uh, to, to, to bring to, 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 to for profit. I mean, let's, let's be honest for profit. I've noticed that I don't want to always work for the company that's producing Coca-Cola cans or that's, 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 that's doing something like that. But I want to work for a company or industry or organization that's going to be using the product that they do, you know, it's service that they're, is that that's, that that's what they're producing. So I want to get my JD MBA, uh, just a joint degree. It'll take about three to four years. Um, I have to get admitted into law school and business school. And I actually recently this semester just picked up a minor in philosophy. So um, all of this <laughs> has come within the past six months, that last, that semester, that depression I was talking to last semester. It's just because I, I came to a realization that there's more to the world than a supply chain or logistics. But there are people out there starving. There's people out there dying. There are people out there stuck in communities who weren't afforded opportunities like me, who whose environment predicted that they could not make it. And to be the number one country in the world, U.S., which actually we're not, uh, <laughs> I think we need to change that. So uh, there's a lot of reform in, in American education that I want to be a part of. Um, and I feel like a law degree will really enable me to uh, understand the legal implications mm -hmm. and just compliance and mm -hmm. everything as well when I'm trying to implement my own nonprofit or when I'm trying to work for the Department of Education or the Department of State and I'll, or, or really bring something home or to, to, to my people or to people just like me, normal people, just regular people. Everybody got to live. So man, I want to be a part of that. That's exciting, man. That's encouraging to hear, man. I know um, like you have done before, You'll put all that into action and make it happen, man. So to kind of wrap up the where you're going the future round. And luckily, I, I, luckily these interviews, especially like uh, I know how Wayne Campbell, he was our first person on the, the Minor Trailblazer podcast. It's so good interviewing SJ presidents because they already know. They just they just tie everything on a knot. I don't even got to talk, really. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it, man. So the last question, when your term is through, as SGA president of North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University, what legacy do you want to leave behind? Uh, I think that the legacy that we want to leave, that, that I want to leave behind personally, is the legacy of inspiration. And I say that in, you know, you don't have to like me, you don't have to love me, you don't have to be my best friend, but because I was in your life or because I was SGA president, I want the constituency, the students, or anyone who ever got a glimpse of anything that I was to do to be inspired and to know that 
man, like I definitely saw him on Lotus on Saturday night, but he was <laughs> totally, totally, totally killing it on the stage the next morning at graduation. So to know that anything is possible, you don't have to compromise your character, your interest, your likes. You don't have to compromise those things to be successful. I think what I want to do is for students to be inspired to know that it's a game. Everything in life, there's a game. There's a, there's a way to do it. And you don't have to hurt anybody to win a game. You don't have to cheat in order to win a game. There's a right way to win every single game. But it's finding out what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and really, really, really using those to inspire others and make a change in the world. And that's just the legacy I want to leave behind. Boom. Mike dropped on that question. Oh, man. No. <laughs> Mike dropped on that question, man. So we're going to go to our last round, our most exciting round, our culture change rapid fire round, where I ask a series of five questions, and you just give me your rapid fire responses. You ready, man? Oh, man, I'm ready. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Oh, man, the best piece of advice the best piece, to, <laughs> the best piece of advice that I've ever received has to be uh, to to never let anyone uh, determine your future. Boom, boom, boom. What is one of your personal habits that you can personally attribute to your success? Uh, one of my personal habits that I can attribute to my success is my intellectual, uh, um, excuse me, my emotional intelligence. And that's just my ability to understand pieces of people's emotions and act beneath those and within those and really be able to, you know, get what I need with, you know, respecting how you feel it. <laughs> what is your favorite book and why? Oh, my favorite book is To Kill a Mockingbird mm. um, because it showed me in that AP language course, uh, the world that I would be going up against as well, and just how people can think um, about even when you're doing the right thing, some people will still be against you, but you have to stay steadfast on your character, your integrity, your beliefs, um, for that's what people will remember you by. Oh, man, To Kill a Mockingbird, I, I honestly, I'll be real with you, I have never read that. I know if, I know all those people out there listening, like, yo, did you go to a, did you go to high school? Are you, are you a human? Yeah, I never read that, but that's either here or there. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it, though. Definitely, and it's on Netflix if you're feeling lazy one day. If you're feeling lazy one day, it's on Netflix. <laughs> what inspires you the most and keeps you motivated? There is opportunity out there that has not been that has not been unleashed, unlocked and let loose to the public. And until that day that it is unleashed where everybody can literally say, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to get this. And my circumstance is not going to dictate that. When I can unlock that or drop that ball or hit that pinata, that's when. That's exactly when. Ooh. That's an exclusive. I ain't never heard that. Like, I'm, I ain't going to lie. I'm about to rip that for one of my speeches. I'm like, I'm, at the end, I'm going to be like, and my last thing. A lot of people ask me what keeps me inspired, and keeps me motivated, and I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna, I love that. You had with it, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a bat too on the stage. I'm like, I'm gonna take this bat and imagine <laughs> that being a piada, and I'm just gonna boom, and everybody's gonna be like, obviously tears, like yo, I like that. Thank you. And then you're gonna get a check in the mail for for twenty or a letter in the mail for twenty dollars, asking say, hey, I, I need my cut. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? <clears throat> had to drop a little bomb on it real quick. Yeah, that was crazy. That's a crazy, that's crazy, crazy, crazy question, crazy question. If I was the president of the United States, the first thing I'm going to do, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's so many things. I think the first thing that I would have to do is to 
I give a little state of campus, you know, set it up real nice with the red carpet, the little presidential seal. And I think I come out there and just kind of, you know, really be blunt, honest. Like I'm not meeting with no correspondence, no secretary of anything. I'm literally just going to talk for like 60 minutes because I know that's what's going to get the realest stuff out of me, kind of like you've done today. And that's just going to get raw, unfiltered, like Austin, who I am. Mm -hmm. And that way I don't have those external influences kind of politically you know, changing and swaying my beliefs. But that way I can say, okay, this is how I'm feeling in America. I done said it to y'all. Now my team just heard it, you know, and we're going to work to make sure that this kind of happens. And we're going we're gonna to work through this just so that there's not too many internal influences. I feel like sometimes the presidency candidate can get swooped into just a whirlpool and of, of, of politics that really can kind of deter and slow down real change. Mm-hmm. Um, some change that people say we never got to see from 2008. I see it, but I'm just going to stop with the political rant. But yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically I just have to set it straight and be transparent. Cause that's what I've tried to do here on campus and it's worked. Man, powerful, man. I think sadly, um, not to say I'm painting any pictures of any size. That's why Donald Trump has been able to kind of resonate with a lot of the American right. fan base because he he shooting from the hip. He's shooting yeah. from the hip. Like the man, right. the man shooting from the hip. Like right. right. Like he's real. He's seeing how he feels and there are people out there that feel that way. So mm-hmm. yeah, got right. got the support. So to to wrap it all up, I usually have I got I have one last question. Um and I usually I usually preface it for the african-american culture but i'm gonna preface it for the north carolina t culture for the for for this special edition and it is if you could change one thing about society most specifically north carolina antiques culture what would it be and why i would be careful with this <laughs> you gotta be careful you gotta be careful you got four thousand listeners man um you know, I don't know specifically one thing mm-hmm. that I would necessarily change, but there is a conversation that I'd like to have that we often two times shy away from. Mm. And that comes from a conversation of where are we going? How are we getting there? Are we being realistic? If not, then how are we going to do it? So when I say that, I say a lot of people you know, they have these big dreams. I mean, literally that used to be my middle name on Facebook, Austin dream, big Ogletree. Like (laughs) literally like we have these big dreams and we have these big goals. And I heard a commencement speech by Shonda Rhimes, writer of scandal, how to get away with murder, Grey's anatomy, Dartmouth college graduate. Um, she said like all my life, people have been telling me to dream big and you can do anything you want to do. And I feel like A&T has prepared us to do just such But what happens when dreamers don't do? If you don't do, you're just a dreamer lost in a daze. But until you begin to do and actually put the legwork behind it, when you're able to stop pointing fingers of why you can't do anything, what needs to change, if you could really internalize all of that energy into I'm going to be great, I'm going to achieve my goals, and what I do is going to help the world, that's a conversation that I'd like to start and really, really, really get going on our campus. Wow. That's that 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 is phenomenal. I'm just gonna leave it there. That's phenomenal. I mean, that's something I had to write down, take some notes, because I just want to resonate on that because of course I, I work and we put in the work, but it's always cool to, to to ask yourself again, like every week just check in. That's why I do my weekly reflection, just to check in and be like, yo, okay, what is the goal? Like what is the overall goal? Because if you don't have that, then it's easy to get lost in the sauce of right. 
um, building like a social media following or mm-hmm. trying to get more hits to your websites mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I'm like, yo, what? Okay, I understand that's cool and all, but that's not the point. The point is really the people. The point is really conducting these interviews and showcasing stories. The point ain't really, I mean, of course you want as many people as you can to subscribe, listen, and rate, but that's not the point. That's not why you started it, bro. Right. Exactly. And and, and, it, and if you don't know what your point is, you don't know what you want to do, then it's going to stay that way until you invest as much time as you can into figuring it out. So those are just some conversations that I want to have. Mm, yeah, man. Yeah, man. So I know I will be remiss. Please, this is your moment to shout out because I know – I know the administration, there's so many people in your life, career, at A&T, especially your administration has helped you get to all these levels. So please, if you could, I know, um, just shout out a few that, that, that have really supported and whatnot, because I didn't want to have this whole episode go. And then people be looking at you sideways at this interview, like, dang, like, okay, we helped you with homecoming too. Like, we got you that internship. Like, what good? <laughs> no, for sure. I, I gotta, I gotta make sure I shout them out. My entire executive board has held me down from the King Queen all the way down to my secretary treasurer, VPI, VPEA, attorney general, all of them. Chief of staff, I got you. Freshman class president, sophomore class presidents, all of y'all, like senior class, I got y'all. Junior, I really appreciate y'all. On top of that, I got to thank my fam, my family, my mom, my dad, my grandmothers, my grandfather, everybody. They've always been just a loving support system on on, on my social media network since they all the way across the country. And then I, of course, got to thank the students of A&T who put me in this position and blessed me with this position. That means so much to me. And then, of course, I I got to thank you, Greg, for just having me on the show. Like, it feels so great to be one of the youngest people featured in such a great movement that I know I'm going to be able to look back one day and say, man, I spoke on the phone when when, when he didn't change his number on me. Like, I spoke on the phone <laughs> when he didn't have that security guard. So I just got to thank you for just putting me on the spotlight and just recognizing some things uh, that are going on here in Greensboro. Man, that's 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 what it's all about, man. Like, I mean, to, to, to give the audience a little bit of context, because he closed it close right there a little bit context like I, I reached out being honestly connected like a couple years back I don't know randomly I saw him on Facebook I mean on Instagram I was like man this young brother got his own website for his campaign I said this dude doing some cool stuff I said I don't know I always try to keep a pulse on Aggies the young Aggies is connected and doing good things man and he's kept in contact and it's just been I just crazy and great seeing him evolve into the leader that he is today. Even and it's only been a couple of years, so I can only imagine what's 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 going next. So for our audience, where can we find out? Where can we keep in contact with you? Like what what's your social media? Like how can we get in contact if we have any questions or we just want to keep keep tabs with you? No, seriously, I know this sounds so cliche, but please just Google me. Really, my website will come up right there. I don't really have my personal one. I'm not on my Greg Hill status, but if you go to LinkedIn.com slash Austin Ogletree, you can find me there. Look at my professional life. Search me on Facebook with the same, Instagram with the same, Twitter with the same. Just search my name, and I'm easy to find, and I'm always, always willing to talk, reach out, chop it up, and just, you know, talk about life. You know, I like to talk, as you can hear. So, <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. You're going to have a website, hopefully, by the end of the year, like, because you already had one for your campaign but we're gonna we're gonna get that we go, yeah gonna we're gonna get there i'm about to blog this whole study abroad experience so get ready yeah get ready for it definitely 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 so thank you everyone for tuning in if you're still tuned in please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and rate the podcast five stars suggest you just give it a five star but please rate the podcast and share with a friend or somebody you know just one person so we continue to pass this message and to really share positivity not only with just in the confines of black culture but in the culture in general so um like i said thank you Austin. i mean from minority trailblazer nation from anybody that's listening to the show thank you i say that from the bottom of my heart for, for giving us this time for you to be on our show 
Yeah, no, thank you for having me once again, Greg. It's all you. And like I said, and everybody knows at the end, I always say this. I need you to do one thing, one thing, one thing only. And that is continue to change the culture. Good night.